Are you looking to modernize your veterinary practice by offering virtual care to pet owners? Fortunately, there's an easy solution from the podcast sponsor, Medici. That's M-E-D-I-C-I. Medici is a telehealth solution built for veterinarians. I've made it easy to check out Medici with a link in the show notes, or you can head over to their website, medici.md, or call 512-967-6454 to learn more. Medici lets you text, call, and video chat with clients with their easy-to-use app. Send or receive images and videos of pets, stay VCPR compliant, and get paid, which is always a wonderful thing, for delivering convenient care right from your phone. Hi, this is Dr. Aaron Smiley, and I've offered telemedicine to my clients since I started. In 2017, I integrated paid telemedicine with Medici. Ready to go virtual? Visit Medici.md, that's M-E-D-I-C-I dot M-D, or call 512-967-6454 to learn more. And with that, here's the show. Welcome to the Veterinary Success Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Douglas. Today, I have a special guest. So coming back on the show, Dr. Aaron Samile. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to his episode initially, it was episode 24. And I called him the telemedicine evangelist then. I wanted to bring him back on, have more conversations because in a world of COVID, in a world of changing technology and embracing the different consumer experience, telemedicine is absolutely here to stay. And it's something that I would just love to hear his feedback and was so happy that he was able to come back and join. So uh, Dr. Smiley, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Always fun. Yeah. So I guess the biggest thing that I wanted to kick it off with is just you were early to telemedicine and how important it was going to be. How much have you heard from your peers or are you seeing that with coronavirus how did that change things? Do you think it has rapidly accelerated it? Do you think there's people that it's going to stick? Is it just going to be a fad? Any thoughts around that? In veterinary medicine, I think that it's going to stick because the numbers that we're showing right now are 60%, just over 60% of our clients that use telemedicine one time, use it again within 12 months. And that's really good numbers for veterinary medicine. So I think that it's here to stay. What I've been surprised at since the pandemic is what I would consider the small amount of utilization that veterinarians have around telemedicine and more overpaid telemedicine. Because when we talk about it, sometimes it's just semantics, but veterinarians are very, very good at telemedicine and they offer telemedicine every day, all the time, and they're super good at it. But to be able to convert that into paid telemedicine has been more challenging than I anticipated. If you would have asked me March 15th, I would say, oh, veterinarians will figure out paid telemedicine in a New York second. And that has not been the case. And why do you think it's so difficult for them to have paid telemedicine in, in a world where everything's trying to be contactless and not have that interaction and stay six feet away? Like To me, it seems like that would be a natural fit for offering telemedicine and offering some more tech-forward solutions. Because veterinarians take their cues a lot of times from physicians, and veterinarians don't always realize that telemedicine can be asynchronous. So right now, late summer, Veterinarians are amazingly busy. Everybody decided to adopt a puppy or a kitten during the pandemic. And so veterinarians are just crazy, crazy busy. And when I talk to other practitioners, they go, geez, why would I want to slow down to schedule a video conference with somebody? That's a waste of my time. I'm going to have to turn people away to do that. Then when I say, well, you can do this asynchronously, they go, oh my gosh, I never thought about that. And it's because physicians are required to do a synchronous event to get reimbursed by the third-party payer. 
Yeah, it's fascinating. Again, everyone that I've talked to looking at COVID and the impact across different industries, veterinary medicine continues to look better and better. And I've shared other times, like, you know, it was recession proof in the great financial crisis, you know, and everyone was like, okay, maybe it won't be the same way in the future. And I'm not saying that it's been recession proof because it's going to be geographically impacted depending on where you're at. But for most of the people I'm talking to, it has been a fantastic 2020. What do you look from the economic opportunities for those that are embracing telemedicine and saying, we're going to make this part of our process? Yes, we're going to learn as we go because everyone is. I mean, every industry is kind of like experimenting on what the new normal looks like and how they're going to do things. But you have thoughts on that. Again, you talked about transitioning from this free service because telemedicine has been something that people have done for a long time, but incorporating as like, you can have access to me and I am going to charge for that because my expertise is valuable. Like, what does that look like in the future as far as being able to add to the bottom line at the end of the day and also provide better care? Right now, we're seeing three to 5% of our revenue from telemedicine. So that's the current numbers. I think those numbers can creep up to 10% when we utilize veterinary technicians with telemedicine. Now, each state is a little bit different. Here in Indiana, we're allowed indirect supervision of our technicians. So what that allows me as the practitioner to do is to sit at home or to sit at another clinic and interact with the client and the technician on a platform like Medici, diagnose, prescribe, and then if I need any additional information, oh, that animal needs to be seen, or I want to see a cytology, my technician can do that remotely. So I think that the next phase of utilization, and I always equate it as far as for the dentist and the dental hygienist. My heavens, those dental hygienists, they make great money and they're worth every penny. And the reason that they can make great money is because they're doing dentistry. They're providing the dentist with actual revenue. And with telemedicine, our technicians in indirect supervision get that same freedom that the dental hygienist get. And I'm really excited about this because it takes our veterinary technicians, it takes our veterinary nurses and elevates the profession monetarily into what I would consider a normal working wage. I mean, veterinary technicians, my heavens, they don't make great money. They work their buns off. And it's an economic thing that the veterinarian hasn't figured out how to allow the veterinary technician to generate veterinary medicine. And so that's where I think that we could easily get to 10% revenue. And at our clinics, we're exploring that right now. It's difficult to find veterinary technicians, but I would say by the end of the year, we'll be fully engaged in that type of a workflow. Hmm, That's fascinating. How have you leveraged or utilized telemedicine with the changes as far as like curbside service and trying to make sure that you don't have the same closeness as far as those engagements, because that is hard. Like you need to get your hands on the animal. You need to have that conversation. It is something that is definitely a big change. So how have you leveraged the technology there to make that better? So what we do is we offer the client to watch the exam uh, just live. And so that's not monetizing it at all. But there are definitely a lot of our owners have apprehension about not being next to their animal. And so we give them the next best thing of going, oh, you can watch the entire thing and interact with the doctor. And then the doctor will come out and talk to you. At our clinic, the doctor still engages with the client after the exam. But we've leveraged the technology, which I think a lot of veterinarians are doing. It's very, very easy in that regard, right? Because it's just a live video chat. On the Medici platform, it's very, very easy as well. They've got a little waiting room, so it's extremely easy to do on their platform. And it's a way as far as to introduce a technology to the client. Oh, well, that was very easy, she says. So then she's more inclined to be able to engage the doctor in two months or three months when the dog becomes itchy 
or the dog starts to vomit. Yeah. And I would assume there's still going to be certain clients that aren't going to even feel comfortable coming in or coming near. So like being able to offer that solution. And sometimes maybe that's older clients as well, not always, but having something that's easy to use from a technology vendor and be able to roll that out. I think that certainly helps. How, have you done anything as far as like training or introducing it? Did you do like a video message to explain to people like this is what's going on? Yeah. So good technologies are easy to use, right? I'm an Apple guy. I've been an Apple guy forever. Apple puts a lot of constraints on their products. So if I want to do something super crazy, I probably can't do it. But why are they so ubiquitous in our culture is because they're so easy to use. So if you have veterinarians that are listening to your podcast and you're shopping around for different technologies, use a technology that you don't have to send a video for. And I would say that the veterinarians that I talk to that are using duct tape and bailing wire, more power to you. It's free. God loves it. I would call my mother cheap and she would say she's frugal and I probably take after those characteristics. But you don't want to be penny wise and dollar dumb. So if you're looking at technology, gosh, you don't want to get caught up with your clients and trying to explain the technology. You want to explain the medicine to them. So that's definitely for me worth paying for a platform where I don't have to sit down with Mrs. Jones and say, well, okay, now you go over here, then you go over here, then you go over here, and then you push this button because she's going to say, yeah, that's great, Dr. Smiley, I'm never going to do Do you think that leads to some of the fears of adopting telemedicine, that exact conversation of just trying to teach people how to use it and being put in a situation where you're going to be asked a question that you're not quite sure. And if the technology is just easy and kind of conceptually, anyone can pick it up and just roll it out of the box and say, hey, yep, I can do this. I know how to get in touch with Dr. Smiley. If I have questions, this is something that they're offering. Or are there other fears that are slowing down the, the adoption? I don't. And the reason that I can be confident where I don't think that it has anything to do, I can't say anything. I think that it has very little to do with the technology. I think that the cog in the wheel is the clinician. And there is, I think, a fear that there'll be an economic disruption. That sounds strange, but the veterinarian is kind of satisfied where she says, listen, I'm doing okay. Unless there's a real bad pain point, I don't know if I should explore anything, which you kind of think is counterintuitive, but veterinarians are very, very brilliant people, but their focus is on how do I cure disease? So when we look at a new workflow, that for a lot of people just feels like a huge headache. Now, again, the asynchronous thing is big. So veterinarians are like, oh, okay, well, I didn't even realize that was a possibility. But when we talk about monkeying with somebody's workflow, that's almost like if you were to take your socks and put them in a new drawer. Or like you and I were talking, you recently moved. There is nothing more disorienting to the rhythm of life than moving. Because you're like, well, where's that shirt at? You don't know where your shirt is. You don't know where your toothbrush is. So I think that the doctor's daily routine is that personal and that habitual where I think that it's asking the doctor to do something that changes her routine that it just feels like a lot of effort. Yeah. So the idea, if it isn't broke, don't fix it. But the challenge with that, and again, the way that I look at this as being the non-DVM on this conversation is you don't disrupt what's going on. Like someone else is going to do that for you. And we're seeing that great example. And again, not to go down a tangent, is like higher education with COVID and, and all these different things. Google basically just came out and is trying to kill the four-year degree requirement for all of their engineers and saying, hey, we have a six-month program. You can do this. You can do it virtually and we're going to train you up. So for me, the way that I look at it is you have to embrace and be on the cutting edge of some of these different things. And it's okay to experiment and say, you know what? That didn't quite work the way I wanted it to and learn from that and make adjustments. But knowing that it's going to be there, people want to be able to interact with you on 
their own time. But the same way that, and I love your LinkedIn post that you put out there all the time is, you know, it's you doing like, hey, I'm doing telemedicine today. And it's like you at your, I think one of your girls like soccer games or something. It was like, this is awesome to be able to see how you can stay in touch, but you can also then shut down and say, you know what, I'm not taking any calls during this time because this is family time and I'm not going to be involved. So it's not necessarily saying that you have the practice attached to your leg with the ball and chain that you never can get away by being in telemedicine. It's making it more convenient for others and then being able to turn it on and off to say, hey, we're going to grow our business because we're going to be different than someone else, maybe down the street. And we're going to continue to build that relationship with somebody. But there's not really a question there, just more of like reiterating what you're saying. No, absolutely. And what I would add to that is there is definitely disruption that will happen from a professional Disruption is very, very difficult because we legally corner the market. So you look at this and just from a veterinarian, it's like, yeah, I understand disruption, but we are not near as vulnerable to disruption. So on the other side, where we say the positive, how many animal owners do not get care? I've heard talk of Chewy, I mean, however many million, let's say I'm going to make up a number, 15 million clients. The, the numbers that I was hearing was like a third of those people that engage with Chewy that they would say our animal owners do not have any veterinary care. Whoa. So if you're a veterinarian, you're looking at that and going, holy cow, what opportunity is out there that we haven't even tapped into to get more animals veterinary care? So a lot of times the veterinarians look at the pie and it's this big. Oh my gosh, what if the pie was so much bigger? And so I'm excited about telemedicine virtual care because I think that that's going to allow veterinary medicine to provide more care to more animals. Yeah. And I just sat through part of it, but the vet partners mid-year meeting and there was a conversation around diversity and inclusion, but they were talking about the U.S. population. 50% of the U.S. population owns pets. 28% of those pets don't receive any care. So if you think about that, I mean, if you're competing on the 22%, you can double the market and really still continue to grow. So I was trying to find in my notes from that conversation, but yeah, that was a wild statistic. I've heard other numbers close to that prior. And again, I've had other people on the podcast talking about making it affordable and offering payment plans or other solutions or ways for them to afford care. Well, one of those can just be, hey, if we're doing virtual care and it's not going to cost us as much, we can pass along some of those savings, but we can still retain our profitability. You don't have to do it for free. You don't have to say, you know, out of the goodness of my heart, I'm just going to do all this stuff for free. You can do it, charge for your time and still be a profitable business that's doing well in the community that you serve. That's right. And to give veterinarians and especially entrepreneurial veterinarians one more avenue to be creative. So let the market work. I guess I'm a non-apologetic capitalist in the sense of going, yep, I think that capitalism can be a nasty system, but it seems like it's the best system out there. So why would we as a community of veterinarians want to restrict or not tap into all of that potential? And telemedicine might be the avenue that allows people that aren't regularly getting or have ever gotten to the doctor to get to the doctor. We were joking a little bit before this about some financial topics and different things and talking about capitalism. I think capitalism has a dirty connotation to it at times because there is like crony capitalism, which... I would say there's a lot of that probably today that's going on. The word that I've heard used that I love is free markets. Let the market decide what's going to go on. And so I agree with you. Like there's a lot of good from that. And our lives have gotten so much better because of allowing free markets to do their thing. People in the 1800s did not live the same lifestyle that we live today. We have so much. We are so blessed from that standpoint. So we need to allow the folks in certain industries to be creative. And I agree with you that telemedicine allows that. Anything within your usage of telemedicine through COVID that has changed or anything that you've adjusted or any 
features that you're like, wow, this is great. This is something that I needed. And it was built for that. I would say we've flexed our lay staff a whole lot more because our volume has gone up. So for me to be one of the features on Medici that I utilize in almost every call is to loop in multiple different professionals. And for the most part, so I manage two practices. And so I can loop in either the front desk of practice A or practice B. And that's so vital as far as to be able to keep telemedicine flowing in our clinic because the staff does all the hard work. Whether they ping me and say, Dr. Smiley, you haven't responded, or Dr. Smiley, what do you want this prescription to be? And for me to be able to say, hey, remind me again, when was the last time that we ran a CBC chem? And so that feature has probably been leveraged even harder. The thing that is unique, and this sounds so strange, about telemedicine and veterinary medicine is it is well established. And COVID, no COVID veterinarians, they will hit a double and most of the times a home run on telemedicine. And they've been doing it forever. I mean, forever. So it kind of may sound strange for somebody as far as me that is a telemedicine guru to say, no, there hasn't been a lot that's changed. And why? Because I was doing telemedicine before and I'm doing telemedicine now. And I'd be hard pressed to find a clinician that's not doing telemedicine and doing it really well. Yeah. It's just realizing that you're doing it and making sure that it's part of the process versus just one-offs and just doing it here and there and not being as efficient with the time. Yep. One of the things that's interesting, and I'm speaking a little bit out of turn, but veterinary medicine's gotten inundated because a lot of people adopted animals. So very, very busy right now. And the emergency clinics have bore a big time weight because people will now utilize the emergency, the veterinary emergency clinic when things go wrong. And so there've been wait times for these technicians and these doctors of five hours plus. And I was talking to one of my technicians that works in both and she'll moonlight for me and she works in an emergency clinic. That emergency clinic could drastically reduce the wait time if they incorporated paid telemedicine, right, where they could triage what was going on in the parking lot. And then Mrs. Jones doesn't have to sit there for five hours. And they're already triaging. If an animal comes in in dire straits, they're moving that animal as they should to the top of the line. So it's those kind of moments that if as a community and as a profession, we can pick our head up and look around and go, oh, what opportunities? How can we make this better? But it's difficult when you're in the middle of the fog of war or whatever you would like to call it. Like, oh, I've just got to soldier through one more day. You might not have to. There might be a system that allows you a little bit of margin. And I would say that that's a big place where not everybody understands how telemedicine can actually give you more margin. And where it gives me more margin in managing two clinics with one and a half doctors is engaging with the client. So I can keep an acceptable level of customer service. I would say that it's a good level of customer service, but you might say, oh, I can provide better and that's fine. So to my standard of customer service, I can do that because now it's an engagement via text message versus picking up and calling people at the end of the day. That is so laborious. So I guess the other thing I would say with COVID is we've been able to increase our efficiencies and keep our customer service high because we've had telemedicine. I think there's something in there that I want to come back to, which is, do you view the ability for telemedicine to help with prevention and have better standard of care? I had Jason Nicholas on talking about like preventive medicine and, and kind of what he's trying to do in that space. Listening to you talk there, it makes me think of how can you use telemedicine to help with preventive medicine to prevent the big 
expensive bill that someone might get. And that saying, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. If you can do more in advance and someone's paying you a little bit here to get answers or make the adjustments they need to, instead of letting it get so bad, we're like, oh, yeah, I really saw that. Yeah, I knew a couple of weeks ago this was bad, kind of didn't really say anything. And now it's, I got to do something. And then it's an ER trip that's much more expensive. Thoughts on that? Yep. Had one right before we got on the phone. Owner sent me a picture of her puppy that's about four or five months old. And the dog had vomiting and diarrhea. And so I engaged with her. Oh, I'm so sorry. When was the puppy last vaccinated? Oh, we got one puppy vaccine at eight weeks and we haven't been back in because we're worried about COVID. Oh my gosh. So I say, hey, got to get that pup in to be vaccinated. We don't want it to get parvovirus. I'm worried right now as far as it's probably because she had a story as far as it went along with that. It was probably dietary indiscretion. But at the same time, it could be parvo and we'll test for that in the clinic. But that owner was able to engage with me on telemedicine. So the path to getting to the doctor now is very, very easy. It's an easy door to walk through. And that prevented the possibility when that dog is even older. So let's say today it's gastritis, but in three months it's parvo. Now we've got a bill that's easily 10 times the cost of what it is right now. So I completely agree with you. When the owner can interact with the doctor, when we can make that access easier, medicine goes way up, whether it's preventative medicine or early intervention. My gosh, if you can send me a video of that dog rising and sitting, I can get that dog pain relief way before it starts to limp in the clinic. We see that with cats all the time. Oh, Dr. Smiley. And it's crazy with cats because they're such a stoic animal. Oh, the cat's limping. And we'll get the cat in the exam room. And it's like, oh, geez, we can barely even appreciate any limp. And I've taken videos and shared these on social media, right? Or on my blog. Well, I said, ma'am, would you mind taking a video when you get home? Yeah, the cat's got an obvious limp. So telemedicine to me is just bringing the doctor and the client closer together so that the patient gets better care. Yeah, I couldn't say it better myself just from the standpoint of you having the examples. Like I'm hearing that. And thank you for walking through that. So And I think we might have touched on this a little bit in your initial interview, but as far as language and talking to clients and introducing it or telling them like, hey, I'm no longer going to do all this for free. We're busy enough, like we're introducing this, but it's going to cost you like, do you have any experience, wise words, a warning not to do it this way? Maybe I think sometimes that's the best lesson is like, oh, shouldn't have said it that way. I'll change my verbiage the next time I talk to somebody. Thoughts on that? Okay. So that's probably something that's a little bit different with COVID is demand is so high The clients are willing to engage. I don't have to sell it now, where before I'd have to convince the owner that this was better or more convenient for them. Well, now the option is, well, come in tomorrow or the next day, because like my front desk will say, he is slammed. I mean, unless your dog is dying, it's not going to get in today. Oh, we'd really like to get in. Oh, okay. What you can do is send him a message on Medici, because then what he can do is he can diagnose and prescribe one of the nurses or the technicians or the assistants can take care of it. Oh, gosh, yeah, that's fine. That's great. And then they use it again. 60% of the people that use it, use it again. So if you're thinking about starting paid telemedicine right now, it's really nice because demand is just crazy high. So the clients are more than willing to engage it because they want to see the doctor. Yeah, that makes more sense. Thank you for that. And then as we kind of wind down and start thinking through Is there anything from like, again, a soapbox topic or something that you wish that people were understanding better about telemedicine or maybe that we haven't discussed from a question from me? I'd hit it one more time, but I would say to the veterinary community, because that's pretty much who I'm talking to. The clients very much trust the veterinarian. So if she is on board, she will be able to convince the client without any convincing, if that makes sense. And I'm so thankful of this. The veterinarian, she doesn't have to be a saleswoman. And it's one of the things that I love about my job. I'm like, oh, that would be tough if I had to be a salesperson every day. So the client 
trust the doctor. So to the veterinary community, when I talk about telemedicine, I would ask them to entertain the opportunities that exist for our profession. Because I think right now we look at it in a very reductionist mindset and go, oh, geez, if we start talking about telemedicine, what am I going to lose? I go, whoa, 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 what are we going to gain? So if you sit and you think, again, it's a little bit redundant, of all of those animals that aren't being cared for, if you were intentional and thought about introducing paid telemedicine for an afternoon, you could definitely figure it out. And I think that you would find that you can engage with a lot more clients and a lot more patients and have a greater impact in your community. Follow up. How would you, if you could think about this and maybe you don't know the answer and that's totally fine, how would you reach out to those that aren't getting care that maybe haven't thought about it, that don't know that they have a veterinarian today that would offer that? They have never heard of telemedicine. They just know veterinarian's expensive. We went back with our last pet, couldn't afford it had to put them down or something like that. And it was just a bad experience. They're just not going to go. How do you reach back out to that person? How do you bridge the gap to at least start the conversation? Any thoughts on that? That's probably a multi-million dollar question. I don't know. So just, I need the answer, right? (laughs) Right. It's a good one. And veterinarians right now are restricting that answer, right? And it's something that needs to be hashed out. I sit as the president of the Indiana Veterinary Medical Association, and I'm so thankful and so proud of our association because we're asking those hard questions. What barriers do we want to create to protect the public and to protect the profession, but moreover, to protect the public? What barriers do we need to put in place to protect the public to veterinary care? And right now, one of the barriers is that a veterinary relationship cannot be established outside of an emergency unless there's an in-person visit. There are good things about that. There are bad things about that. So I think to answer your question, the veterinary profession needs to have a robust conversation about the goods and the bads. The physicians allowed this, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. And there's a couple sticky wickets that they got into. A lot of it has to do with as far as out-of-state people doing in-state. And so they're having to go back. But as the veterinary profession, I think that there's some good lessons learned from what the physicians did that we could continue a robust conversation. So how do we reach out to those people that have never been to the veterinary clinic? I think that we have to decide as a community, do we want to engage them? And right now the answer is no. So I will tow that company line and saying veterinary medicine says that's too risky for the public, but that might change. Hmm. Yeah. To be continued. To be continued. For sure. And that's the answer is there's not a perfect answer. And it, it's a hard question. And I do love the fact that people are willing to address hard questions and say, you know what, we maybe don't know the answer, but let's chat through that. I know that's something you're working on from a leadership team here in the great state of Indiana. Yeah, so. the, what we say is the capital of common sense. Indiana, yeah. welcome to Indiana, I, the capital of common sense. I like that. I have not heard that. I'm using that. I love it. So yeah, for anyone in Indiana, it's a great place to live. I tell people like, it's not the perfect place. It's not gonna have the best weather. It's not gonna have all these other things, but there's a lot of positives about, about Indiana. So hey, the I, I appreciate that. The thank you note from two Hoosiers talking to each other. Like we need to get something from the chamber or something. <laughs> <laughs> I know you did this in the last episode that you did, but for people that want to connect with you that maybe don't know you, A, first follow you on LinkedIn because I think you put out a lot of great stuff. Where else would you direct them, send them, ask them to check out what you're doing? Aaron Smiley DBM is the website and the blog. I tend to try to update it every week or every other week. And on the blog, what I'm trying to do is give you use cases. So like, okay, Smiley, I don't know what you're talking about. Just go on there. It's just me. You don't have to stare at my ugly mug, but me just talking through cases. Okay, so you can do that one. Then the other thing that we did that I'm excited about is the University of Illinois created an iLearning course. 
and they asked me to uh, help with that. And so we can put a link up. I'll send a link to you to take it. You can get a CE credit. But I'm excited about that for higher education to engage with telemedicine. And that's my alma mater. So go align. I love the college, but very, very proud of them for pushing the envelope and not being afraid to say, oh, hey, what about this? Let's make sure that we're educating people properly in this field. And then lastly, the Veterinary Virtual Care Association is a new association that started in March. And I sit on that board and that is a group of progressive veterinarians that are stimulating a lot of good conversation. And so I would say if you have questions as far as how to get connected with other veterinarians that are maybe those veterinarians that say, yeah, but what about, that would be a really good group to join because you'll find like-minded people there. They may not agree on every topic, but they are definitely a group of innovators that I find to be real fun to be around. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Take care. I'm sure we'll be talking again soon as we continue to have a wild year. But yes, telemedicine continues to grow. I'd love to have you back on, chat more on this and hear more experiences. So Dr. Smiley, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to today's show. The comments made on today's show should not be taken as investment, tax, or legal advice. All comments are for educational purposes only. You should consult your team before implementing anything. Isaiah Douglas is a partner of Vincier Wealth Management. Isaiah is registered in the state of Indiana, California, Texas. The biggest compliment you can give to this podcast is to share it with a friend. Reviews help the show get found, and Apple Podcasts is the platform that predominantly is how people listen to the show. If you have three to five minutes, you like the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts, give us an honest rating and review. That'll help more people find the show. For all of today's links and information, head over to veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. There you can subscribe via your favorite podcast platform platform so you won't miss another episode. Finally, if you'd like more information, insights, and have the ability for your voice to be heard and interact with show guests, join the private Facebook group. You can go to the Veterinary Success Podcast on Facebook or head over to the veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. Scroll all the way to the bottom where it says about your host and then click on the Facebook icon. That'll bring you into the Facebook group. I'll approve you. You'll be in. And then I'd love to hear your questions, feedback, and anything that you'd like to see added to the show. So with all that, thank you so much for listening. I'll be talking again to you soon.